Hello, my friend. Welcome to the business. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. You're not. <laughs> you're not you can you can keep reading if you need to. I uh, that. Yeah. Hello, my friend. Welcome to the Business Leadership Today podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tenney. As an active CEO, my goal is to build and sustain world-class organizations that make a positive impact on the lives of employees and on the global community. I have a lot of questions regarding how we can continuously get better and achieve our goals. Through this podcast, we reach out to top thought leaders to get answers to those questions, and we give you the opportunity to listen to their answers too. This episode is part of a series we're doing on how to build a high-performance culture that doesn't burn people out. My guest today is John Gordon. John is the author of 24 books, including 12 bestsellers. His books include the timeless classic, The Energy Bus, which has sold over 2 million copies, and The Carpenter, which was a top five business book of the year. Today, we're going to be discussing ideas from his 2017 bestseller, The Power of Positive Leadership. John's principles have been put to the test by numerous Fortune 500 companies, professional and college sports teams, school districts, hospitals, and nonprofits. And his tips have been featured on the Today Show, CNN, CNBC, the Golf Channel, Fox and Friends, and in numerous magazines and newspapers. John is also one of the kindest people I know. He has been very kind and helpful to me personally. And I'm very excited to hear John's thoughts today on how positive leaders build and sustain high performance teams and cultures. John, thank you again very much for the kindness that you have extended to me over the years. And thank you for joining me today on Business Leadership Today. Hey, Matt, thanks for having me. Always great to connect with you. And I still remember our conversation on the plane years ago, <laughs> right? just talking and flying somewhere. I don't even remember where it was, but I remember it was a great conversation. I think it, I think it was from someplace in Texas to Jacksonville, as I recall. I, I remember that flight very well as well. So John, in a moment, Uh, I'm going to ask you to share your thoughts on the things that positive leaders do that separate them from the pack and allow them to inspire greatness in their teams. Uh, But before we explore those, I want to, I want to ask you to share, there's, there's a story that I know you like to share about Evan Spiegel um, at Snap, formerly as Snapchat and how he's applied positive leadership. Can you kind of kick things off by sharing that story with us? Sure, Matt. I love this story because Evan read The Power of Positive Leadership shortly after the book came out. I didn't even know he read it. And he reached out and he asked me to speak to his leadership team. So now I'm on my way there and I'm thinking, okay, these are some of the smartest guys and people on the planet. (laughs) What am I going to talk to them about that they haven't heard before? So I reached out to Evan. I said, Evan, I know you guys are really smart. You're very analytical. Do you want me to talk about the cost benefits analysis of positivity? should I share the latest research and data that I found on positive leadership and positivity? He said, John, Instagram is coming after our business. Wall Street is beating us down. The marketplace is destroying us right now. Pessimism is seeping into our pores. He said, just help us stay positive. (laughs) And I realized in that moment that what I thought was simple or basic was something that he and his company needed and everyone needed. I shared the principles and the framework framework from the book with them. Same stuff we're going to talk about in this podcast. And it was incredible the way that they adapted it. They implemented it. They applied it. And I saw firsthand how it impacted their leadership and their company. Evan came on my podcast, Positive University, and talked about how positivity impacted his leadership and his company going forward. They stopped focusing on everything else. 
They focused on themselves. They focused on leading from the inside out. They tuned out the noise. And if you follow them over the last few years, you can track their incredible success. I mean, they just took off. They soared ever since that moment. I'm not saying I was the reason because I don't believe I was. I just reminded them of the truth that I believe they believe they had forgotten. And once they applied these principles, you saw amazing success. And Matt, I see these same principles play out with Clemson football and Dabo Sweeney. I see them play out with the Dodgers and Dave Roberts. I work with the Dodgers, with many Fortune 500 companies I work with. These principles work. These are the principles and practices that make great leaders great. They're not my principles. They are universal. I just create a framework that people can apply them and I found really over the years in my work with, with so many leaders, countless leaders, like what are the keys to leadership? And these are the keys. You can't argue with them. And I know you know this to be true because serve to be great is one of them. And so, <laughs> so you do have to serve to be a great leader, right? If you don't serve, you can't be a great leader. So serving leadership in the work you do is a big part of it. So, hey, it all comes together. It does. Thanks, John. Yeah. So it's, you know, you're right. It's like, it's just, it's just so simple, right? Like the, the concept is so simple. Like, hey, if you can reduce negativity and, and build a, a culture of positivity, um, everyone agrees like, well, duh, like, yeah, of course we want to do that. But it's the, it's the framework that you're providing that's the simple, actionable steps that allow people to create replicable success with this that is so key, right? Totally. And people don't know how to deal with negativity. Like they know negativity is a problem, but they don't really actually take the steps to have the difficult conversations. They don't mm. take the steps to weed out the negativity. They don't understand that you have to build a culture of positivity. You have to feed the positive, weed the negative each day and create an environment where people can do their best work. They don't understand that, that if you let negativity persist and exist, it eventually will sabotage your team if you don't address it. They hope it will just go away. And so one of the biggest mistakes that leaders make is they don't address the negativity that exists. And it eventually, and it so often sabotages far too many organizations. And so just this one principle, if you as a leader deal with this and focus on this, you will build a more high-performing team and organization instead of having negativity sabotage what you're trying to build. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's not going to happen on accident. It has to be intentional and there's a process to this. And that's what I'm excited to talk about with you today. And you kind of foreshadowed one of the principles here, um, which I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to get into in just a moment. So I'd like to start off with uh, another principle though. And just this concept that one of the core jobs of a leader, especially if you're going to be a positive leader is you're driving a positive culture that that's your job. Can you tell me more about like, why do you see that as being so important? And what are some simple things we can do to at a high level to start moving in that direction? Your most important job as a leader is to create the culture of your team and organization. Culture is not just one thing. It is everything. And culture drives everything in your organization. It's not just one person. It's everyone. So it's understanding that everyone in your organization creates the culture of it. It's not just leadership. It's not just you. Everyone creates the culture. And so culture is dynamic. It's not static. So every day you're creating your culture by what everyone thinks, by what mm. they say, by what they do on a daily basis. And a big part of creating culture is to identify what do we stand for? What do we want to be known for? Because once you know what you stand for, 
Every decision you make is easy. What are the values and principles that will drive us? What are our standards? And when you become very clear on that, the culture becomes easy to create because then you can reinforce those very things that you see on a daily basis. Consistency creates culture. So the more consistent you mm. are with your words, with your actions, with what you say on a daily basis, by what you think, by what you do, and you're very consistent and you reinforce and you highlight when you see it. And you also highlight when you don't like, okay, this is not what we're about. This is not who we are. The more you do that, everyone starts to understand what this culture is all about. And as you know, Matt, you got to live and breathe it because everyone today has a mission statement, but only the great ones have people <laughs> on a mission. Right. So are we on a mission? Do we know our core values? Are we living and breathing them every day? Do those words on the wall come alive in the hearts and the minds of each person in your organization? So that's the key to culture. Again, people always ask me, what's your definition of culture? It's the living, breathing essence of what an organization values, believes, thinks, says, and does. Culture is something you can feel because it comes from the essence of who you are. But as a leader, you are driving that culture. And a, and a huge part of what is going to shape the, the values uh, that are guiding the behaviors that, that people are engaging in along the way is a vision, right? So I know that's the, another very important key principle is that positive leaders um, create and share a positive vision. So in our framework, it starts with culture. And then we move to, to what our vision is. And I also will incorporate purpose a lot of times into my keynotes in the same part of, of this framework, because vision and purpose, where are we going? And then why are we going there? We all need a vision. We all need a purpose. We need a telescope and a microscope as a leader. So you pull out your telescope, where are we going and why are we going there? Then what's our microscope? What are our Zoom focused actions that we will take each day to realize the picture in the telescope? And as a leader, you are a dealer in hope and your people need a North Star to know where they're going and to know the purpose. We don't get burned out because of what we do. We get burned out because we forget why we do it. Mm -hmm. So what is our purpose? What is our why? And how does that why fuel us as we move towards our vision? So every day you get up, as Doug Conan told me, as the CEO of Campbell Soup, when he was the CEO, he said, every meeting, every day, every gathering, 10 people, 1,000 people, 5,000 people, he talked about the vision and purpose of Campbell's Soup to build the world's most extraordinary food company by nourishing people's lives everywhere, every day. He said at every meeting because he knew he had to align everyone and point them in the right direction towards the North Star. When everyone wakes up every day, knowing what they're working towards and why they're doing it, that creates incredible engagement. That goes to vision and purpose. And as a leader, your job is to share the vision Share the purpose and remind your team members, remind each leader in your organization, remind each manager, remind each employee, what is their vision? What is their purpose? And how does their vision and purpose contribute to your bigger vision and purpose as an organization? Now you have everyone aligned. They're all driving their energy buses, right? All, <laughs> yeah. all moving like a fleet of buses in the right direction. That's the kind of thing you want as a leader. Now you you brought up a great example in Campbell's Soup because you know it's it's easy I think for people to think of a, a an inspiring vision if you're doing something like you know treating cancer or feeding the homeless or something like that you know you're making canned soup and yet 
they're, they were able to create a compelling vision around that. Do you have any guidance for, you know, there's, there's so many companies that uh, the core product or service is just very simple. There's nothing flashy about it. You know, how, how do we, how do we really um, get clarity on what's the big impact? What's the, what's our big uh, vision for the future of what type of change we're trying to make? Well, every job, every business is a vehicle to live and share a bigger purpose. I met a mortgage broker and she said her job was to save marriages because if she <laughs> helped people keep their homes, right. if you keep your home during a recession, during a downturn, you're more likely to keep your marriage intact. So her right. job was to help people refinance to save their marriage. So there's always a bigger purpose that you can find in your job. I love the old Dominion Freightline tagline. Their mission, their purpose is to help the world keep its promises. Mm. They're a logistics company. They're freight lines. They are drivers of trucks. And yet what they're doing is helping the world keep its promises by delivering what was what is supposed to be somewhere at a certain time coming from somewhere else. And they're the transportation that provides it. I love it, right? Yeah. You, you can just focus on these trucks and what they do in this fleet of, of vehicles, or you can focus on we help the world keep its promises. That's inspiring. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's a great example of something as non-sexy as it gets, right? As industrial freight, you know, things getting moved around. But yeah, it just like it's almost like to me, that's a synonymous with inspiring integrity. You know, so who wouldn't want to rally around that? Like creating a world where more people live with integrity and keep their promises. That's so funny you said that because I have a new book coming out in a few months called The Sale, and it's about integrity. Ah, all right. Looking forward to it. You said it's called The Sale. The sale, right? It's about this big sale that this this main character has the opportunity to make, and will he do it with integrity or not? That's the point of the book. Ah, uh, awesome! All right, so let's uh, let's jump to the next one here. Um, so we've got we've got a vision, we've got values that are going to guide our behaviors along the way as we're trying to realize that vision. Um, so then, uh, another key principle is that positive leaders lead with optimism with positivity and belief. Now, this is one, you know, I, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty clear on vision and values. Uh, this one, I, I have to admit, John, I'm pretty fuzzy on this one. You know, I, I, I totally get positivity and optimism and belief, but I'd like to hear more about why. Why do you think this is so important? And what could, what could I do personally to do this, to be better at this? Well, if you're going to talk about positive leadership, you have to talk about positivity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to talk about optimism. You got to talk about belief because leadership is a transfer of belief. Mm. If you don't have it, you can't share it. And so pessimists don't change the world. Mm. Naysayers say you can't do it. Complainers complain about problems, but they don't solve them. Critics write words, but they don't write the future. Throughout history, it is the positive leaders, the believers, the dreamers, the doers that make the greatest impact that transform organizations and ultimately change the world. So we think about leadership. It's believing in a brighter and better future. It's mm -hmm. believing in solutions. It's believing in going from point A to point B and rallying people to get there. That is leadership. And you're going to face challenges along the way. You're going to face adversity. You're going to face setbacks. So optimism is essential. Life is not a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a series of sprints combined with a boxing match. <laughs> right. You're not just running, but you're getting hit along the way. And research from Duke University 
shows that optimists work harder, get paid more, and are more likely to succeed in business and sports. And what these researchers found was that these optimists, because they believed in a brighter and better future, they took the actions necessary to create it. It became a self-fulfilling prophecy. So what we believe so often determines what we create. And if you don't have it, you can't share it. So it's essential that every day you are feeding yourself with positivity, with optimism, with belief, so that you can feed others, so you can transfer that to others, so you can overcome your own adversity, your own challenges, so you can stay calm and positive through it, especially optimistic through it, and then lead others in a positive way. And that's hard to do. So this is not Pollyanna positive. Let's get clear on this. Don't roll your eyes when we talk about this. this is not, and I'm not saying you are, Matt, but I know right. some people do when we talk about positivity. Right. This is, this is not about seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. Right. This is knowing that you have the power to overcome the thorns. This is not about ignoring reality. It's about maintaining optimism, belief, and faith in order to create a better reality. So this stinks. This isn't good. What we're going through right now is really tough. Okay, how do we get through it? How do we overcome? How do we move forward in a, in a positive way with belief? That's what we're talking about here. So real optimism. And we don't allow negativity, which we talked about earlier, to sour our situation. But we're not going to sugarcoat it either. So we get very clear that this is real mental toughness. This is grit. This is optimism. This is belief. And I'm convinced that every day as a leader, you know, it's essential to feed yourself on a daily basis because negativity is always trying to sabotage you. Right. So you got to overcome the negativity. You got to weed and feed the garden of your mind. Weed the negative, feed the positive. And the more you do with gratitude, appreciation, some do meditation, some do prayer, you nourish yourself every day, the garden of your mind so that you can produce fruit in the lives of others. That's what I've done. I've rewired my brain from negative to positive. I am naturally a negative person. I'm not naturally positive. I've had to work really hard at it. So doing this has made me a much better leader. And I know this, being positive doesn't just make you better. It makes everyone around you better. That's why this principle is so important. And mm -hmm. I look at Dabo Sweeney, his optimism and belief, how he turned around Clemson football, how he leads others. I've seen it firsthand. I look at Alan Mullally at Ford. When they were losing $14 billion, he comes in as a CEO, had them profitable in a few short years. One of the greatest leadership feats in history. I wrote about him in the book. He defined his leadership style as positive leadership. I think about Donna Orinder and how she turned around the WNBA with her optimism and belief. Jamie Kern Lima, who is, is a friend of mine, she started It Cosmetics in her living room with her husband, Paulo, and she just wrote a book called Believe It. And her belief carried them through the darkest of times when they almost went under several times to eventually a few years ago, selling her company to L'Oreal for $1.2 billion. So believing it makes a lot of money with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you, you got to believe it. If you don't believe it, you're not going to make it happen. So it really does make an impact. Now I'm, I'm like you, John, I think I'm naturally wired to be negative. So what's one simple thing like, you know, you're mentioned, you were mentioning, to do better at kind of um, not, not totally ignoring the negative, but making sure that we're not dwelling on it and taking plenty of time to feed the positive. So you'd mentioned gratitude practices, uh, practicing prayer, meditation, um, you know, like in a practical sense, how would you integrate that? How would someone like me integrate that into a day? Like, what would you recommend to make sure I'm overcoming my natural tendency to be negative? 
Best advice I ever heard is from Dr. James Gills. He's the only person on the planet to complete six double Ironman triathlons. That's a double Ironman, which (laughs) means you do an Ironman a day later, you do another one. Oh my gosh. And the last time he did it, he was 59 years old. And he was asked how he did it. He said this, I've learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. He said, if I listen, I hear all the fear, the negativity, the doubt, all the reasons why I can't finish this race. But if I talk to myself, I could feed myself with the words and the encouragement that I need to keep on moving forward. So it looks like you write down on the left side of a piece of paper, your negative thoughts, the patterns that you have. I know I have my patterns, you have yours. Everyone has their own. What are those negative thoughts that come in often? Write them down. On the right side, write down words of encouragement. You you will speak to yourself on a daily basis. Anytime those negative thoughts come in, you will speak these words of belief, encouragement on a daily basis, self-talk, right? Mm. And eventually the words that you speak become the life that you live, you speak life. There's power in the tongue, right? The words that come out of your of your mouth. And so when you speak words of life, when you encourage, the word encourage means to put courage into. Mm. So when you encourage, you put courage into yourself. When you encourage others, you put courage into them. So that one practice of talking to yourself instead of listening will be huge. I take a thank you walk every day as well. While I'm walking, I just say what I'm thankful for. Mm. And the research shows you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. <laughs> right. So if you're feeling grateful, you will not be stressed. And I'm talking about in that exact moment, right? Right. right. You could have a day where you go up and down throughout the day, but if you are grateful in that moment, you won't feel stressed, right? Immediately that gratitude will start to take over. And when you appreciate, you elevate your mood, your performance, the people around you. So that gratitude walk every day has been key for we rewiring my brain from negative to positive. Mm. That's a great, that's a great one. Cause I, I do walk every day, but I think that that could be a much better use of the time <laughs> to practice some gratitude while I'm walking. It's amazing. It's where every idea I've ever had for a book has come to me on these walks of gratitude. Now, after I walk and I actually now after while I'm walking and after I practice gratitude, I also pray. And that has been huge for me as well. So mm. I pray after the gratitude piece and that's a big part of it. Mm. Awesome. All right. So now a huge part of this, as you, you kind of alluded to this at the, with the story that you shared at the beginning, a little bit after that story, you, you had mentioned that a, one of the most important jobs uh, that we have that, uh, that a lot of us fail to do is when there is negativity, we can't just let it, we can't just let it be there. We, we need to do something about it. So um, the, another big principle that you share, a very important principle is positive leaders confront transform and remove negativity. So yeah, one, one person can't make a team, but one person can break it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So we do have to address the negativity that exists. And I think of Nick nurse, Nick nurse is the coach of the Toronto Raptors. And when he took over as the head coach a few years ago, he put an elephant on his desk. It was a reminder. They were going to deal with the elephant in the room mm. and have important conversations that needed to be had. So anytime a player or a coach walked in, they saw that elephant. Things were not swept under the rug. They dealt with the issues. And he had some really tough conversations that year with his team. And if he doesn't have those conversations, if he doesn't deal with the negativity, they don't win an NBA championship that year. I know that for a fact. I know some of those conversations I can't share but I know that he turned things around as a result of addressing it. The U.S. women's soccer team on their march to win the World Cup a few years ago would have a meeting after every game and they would have a debrief and they would talk about who messed up and 
and what went wrong and who missed their assignments and so forth. And Ali Long told me no one took it personal because they all wanted to be great together. Mm. Small ego, big mission. But again, they were dealing with the negativity. They were confronting it. Seattle Seahawks have Tell the Truth Mondays. Every Monday they get together and they tell the truth about the assignments as they're watching the tape and they're calling people out. But it's part of their culture. So no one takes it personal. They all know it's part of getting better. So you got to create the framework. You got to create the, the rules of engagement, the standards of behavior. This is how we do things here as part of our culture. Everyone understands it. Everyone understands this is how we engage. This is how we have difficult conversations. This is how we address negativity. And when you do that, you make it so the negativity doesn't sabotage your team and organization. There's a lot of ways to do it. We do a whole full day training program on the power of positive leadership. And one of the segments is where people share their best practices and their ideas for dealing with negativity and what's worked in the past. And I always love this part of the training because you get the gems that come out from their past experiences. So there's always ways to deal with it, but the key is you first have to have the courage to do it. You have to have the dialogue to do it and you got to have the, the, um, the setup and the principles to do it. And that's what confronting negativity is all about. So I think we, we give people a reason and a, and a, and a way to do it. And that's why this kind of work is so effective. It's why organizations work with us because everyone deals with negativity. Everyone <laughs> has gossip. Everyone has drama, all the things that will sabotage a team, a school, a business, and they got to address it. And as a leader, you need to have the tools to be able to address these things. What's, what's one way, you know, one of these gems that you've heard in one of your uh, training programs where something that just kind of caught you and you said, wow, you know, that's, that's a really interesting way of approaching having a, a difficult conversation. Is there anything that kind of pops out? Well, again, the couple I shared were, were two of the ones that really were very powerful, but um we oh, okay. Just, those, those are ones that actually came up. Okay. Yeah, it came cool. out, well, it came out, those came out in discussions with the leaders, but right. out of the training and ideas, um, one was tell me something good. Like when, when they approach a, an employee that's negative, quite often you approach them with, instead of like, Hey, how's it going? No, no, no. You approach them with, Hey, tell me something good. Mm. And then you ask them what's not good. So you actually want them to share a problem with that point. But then the next question is, how are we going to make it good? What will oh, we nice. do to make it good? Yeah. So now everyone is empowered to not just focus on the problem, but to create a solution. Right. Move from being a complainer to a problem solver. That's exactly. huge. Nice. All right. So um, th the next principle I wanted to dive into was how positive leaders build great relationships and teams. Because I think I'm in total agreement with you on this. You know, it, you, you kind of, um, this is one of the key ideas of your book is that, you know, the culture is everything, right? I think there's even a line in there about how culture is so much more important than any other aspect because culture literally drives everything that's happening in the organization. And that's all, um, in addition to the vision and the values, that's also a, a key part of culture is the relationships that people have where they, they have really strong relationships, strong, cohesive teams. So can you tell me more about this principle? You got it. I love this principle because it's all about the four C's, communication, connection, commitment, and caring. You got to communicate to build trust and you have to make sure that you fill the voids because where there's a void in communication, negativity will fill it. 
<laughs> so we always have to make sure we're filling that void with positive communication or just clear communication because right. it's not always going to be positive, but it can always create a positive result if you don't have the voids there. So communication is essential. Then there's connection. It's not just about communicating. It's about communicating to connect, building a bond of trust. Trust is the currency of leadership. If people don't trust you, they will not follow you. So you have to make sure you're connecting. And great leaders foster connection with their individual team members. So they foster that one-on-one connection, but they also foster connections amongst their team members and their organization. So you got to be a connector and make sure you're connecting people in the organization and on your team. So we got to communicate. We got to connect and foster connections. We got to commit. We got to demonstrate commitment. That's where serve comes in. Mm. You have to commit to be great. You have to serve to be great. And commitment always looks like service and sacrifice. So how will I put the team first? How will I commit to them? And commitment will always cost you something, cost you time and energy and effort. You could be spending that time at home. You could be spending that time talking to one person, but instead you're talking to this person, investing in them. That's important as a leader. They have to know you're committed to them. When you are committed to them, you will get commitment back. That's just the way it works. And so commitment is everything. Leaders go first. They lead the way. They may eat last, but they go first. <laughs> and they lead the way and they show what commitment looks like. And then they get commitment back as a result of that. So if you want a committed team, you have to be committed. Stop looking for your team to be committed without you being committed as a leader. Leader, you commit. You show the way. You lead the way. And when you do your team will improve because of your commitment. And then there's, there's care. You have to care about others. You have to care about your team. And I'm convinced that a leader who cares builds a team that cares. Mm. I, think of, I think of Daniel Scott from Mayacoba in Mexico. I was just there speaking and spending time with my family. He's the GM of the Rosewood Mayacoba Resort. And he asked a question. How can we create community and impact our community? He's the guy who cares deeply about his staff, about his guests, but also about his community. So he partnered with a local principal of a school of 120 kids in a dilapidated building. It was basically a cement structure with no doors, no windows. That was their school, no resources, no money. They were about to be kicked off their land. Daniel meets Raquel, who's the principal of the school, and he agrees to find a way to fund a school. He gets his family involved. He gets the owners involved. He gets his guests involved, the resort. And somehow, some way, they're able to build this incredible school that now houses 300 students impacting lives, transforming futures, families. I mean, if you saw this area and you think about these kids going to the school, how the school is going to impact these kids and their future, it's going to be incredible. Mm. And now they're building a high school. Oh, Oh, wow. It was amazing. My wife and I and our daughter and her boyfriend, we went to serve and served breakfast to them on Thanksgiving Day. It was special. And we're all in now. We're now investing and we're going to be one of the supporters and donators of funds to the school to help build the high school and, and more. All because this one leader cared. Think about that. Think mm. about what happens if you care about your team, you care about others, you care about your community. You can't just do it because the book says so or... You know, oh, check the box. It says I, I'm supposed to care. <laughs> no, you got to really care. It's got to come from the heart. And as a right. leader, when it does, a leader who cares builds a team who cares. 
Love it. John, this has been, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much uh, again for taking the time to, to be with me today here on Business Leadership Today. Hey, Matt, thanks for having me. I can't wait to, to share this with others. And I'm so glad you asked these kind of questions on leadership. And as always, you always bring out the best in others. And I appreciate you bringing out the best in me. Oh, thank, thank you, John. All right, my friend, um, if, you'd like to, if you'd like to learn more about John, I highly encourage you to sign up for his um, newsletter at, uh, I think it's, it's still called Positive Tips, if, if I remember correctly. Yep, it's it's uh, johngordon.com, J-O-N-J-O-N-Gordon.com, not J-O-H-N, but J-O-N-Gordon.com. Yeah, you can sign up for my weekly positive tip. Yep. And also, um, we'll have links to his website in, in, in case you didn't catch that at businessleadershiptoday.com, along, along with the show notes. And we'll have a link to his book, The Power of Positive Leadership, as well. And uh, as always, I'd like to send a, a thank you to Caleb West, who um, edits these podcasts and manages the podcast. Um, thanks, Caleb, for doing such a great job. And until next time, my friend, um, I wish you great success building a world-class organization that makes a positive impact on the lives of your team members and in our world. Bye for now.